welcome into an imperfect pour. I guess this is technically the start of season two for us. That's uh, pretty exciting for us. We're uh, we're here today doing an on-site. We're here at Vomfoss in Pacific City in Huntington Beach. Um, if you don't know what a Vomfoss is, well, you're in for a you're in for a fun night. Um, we're talking with Carol, the owner and purveyor here at Vomfoss. Um, we have so many things to talk about because this is a incredibly unique place that doesn't. It's not a normal bar, it's not a normal whiskey place. They've got all forms of cool and nifty alcohol. Um, before we get that far, let's talk about who we got on the tasting side today. We got myself, we've got Aaron, we have Derek, we have Sandra, we have Michael, Randy, Bjorn, and Jeff. What up? So let's, let's start getting into this, Carol. Um, how would you describe to someone who's never heard of Von Foss what Von Foss is? We're a tasting house. It's a try before you buy a store. It's supposed to be a lot of fun. It's all about food and drink. So everything you need for home entertaining. Okay, so let's talk about some of the things that you sell here because it's you've got whiskeys, you've got absinths, you've got brandies and tequilas, but you also guys sell olive oils and vinegars and wine. So what, what, what's the, the story behind it all? So just think home entertaining, just think food and drink, just think family and friends. So oils and vinegars really help spice up your food, spice up your meal, adds a lot of flavor to food really simply. Your, your cocktail, your glass of wine, something to pair with it, it's just all supposed to be enjoyment, bringing people together. Very cool. Um, so how long has this place been open? About a year. About a year now, huh? Um, what made you want to open one of these in, uh, let's face it, a rather beautiful situation here. Well, my husband and I are really infatuated with whiskey, um, and we really kind of wanted a whiskey tasting house, but of course not everybody is into whiskey as much as we are, so a little bit more tasting, a little bit more appeal seemed like a good idea, and um, Pacific City is just, Huntington Beach is just such a great location. Huntington Beach is very open, very eclectic, very funky. Um, they, they really know how to enjoy things and not take things too seriously. And that really is how I like to enjoy my drinks. We can dig that. Um, so let's start with uh, the first thing you've got for us today. So why don't you tell us about what we've got? So we're going to start you with a Blanco tequila. Now, um, most tequilas are going to either come from Agua Negra or Mandero, Mexico. Ours is going to be Agua Negra. And this Blanco is going to be a little herby, a little floral not traditional tequila, not traditional to a normal Blanco you're used to tasting. I think it makes a really amazing cocktail because those floral and herby notes really come through. But take a sip and let's see what you think. Yeah, um, so while everyone's taking their sips and uh, figuring out some of the flavors inside here, this is not the only tequila you guys have here. We have four tequilas here. We've got the Blanco, and then we jump to a six-month Reposado, which tastes very traditional to any Reposado you've probably had in the past. Um, after that, we jump to a three-year-old Añejo, just shy of three years. So an extra Añejo starts at three years old. Ours is just shy of three years old, so it's just an Añejo, but it's going to be completely untraditional. That three years is over double and a double of what you normally have in an Añejo tequila at a year and a half. So a lot of barrel notes. From that, our extra Añejo is six years old. Pretty rare to find a six-year-old tequila. A lot of barrel notes in that, a lot of woodsiness. I like to call it whiskey yes because it's all tequila burn, but you get all those whiskey barrel notes that you were 
know with whiskey? Uh, very nice. Um, so I want to start with some, some tasting notes here on this, uh, this. Let's start with Derek. That's always fun. Hi, guys. So this might be because I'm out of practice, but this reminds me a lot of uh, sipping on a gin with the, the floralness of it. That's the first thing that I kind of thought of was as I started to like gin a little bit more, this is kind of reminded me of that. Very, um, like I know there's not juniper in there and I'm probably just like conjuring that because that's what I'm associating it with, but I just, I think like, what if what if tequila was trying to taste like gin? Randy, you want to add to that? Or you got I your mean, own coming? I actually, out of the tasting, that was the first thing I really like noticed was juniper, pepper, vanilla, and celery. Most people don't think of celery when they think tequila. Um, so I finally got my chance to take a sip on this. I definitely can see how this would make a very interesting, it, it almost is begging you to put in some agave nectar or, or a, a really good triple sec to turn this into a margarita. It's, it's, it's just on that edge, like you know what it's there for. This is not your frat party take shots of tequila with salt and wine. This is prep ready. It is not your frat party take shots tequila, um, but it is begging for that little citrus, that little acid. Um, I think so too, and that's what I think is so lovely about it. Now, any frat parties out there take notes, you can do better. So, you know. <laughs> wow! Don't add water. Don't. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> oh, lovely. Anyone's got any notes they want to uh, throw one on this tequila? Yeah, I just thought it was really herby. It made me think of like uh, rosemary-infused liquors I've had and things like that. Kind of a, yeah. Like gin? Well, no, because it doesn't make me think of juniper. Because it made me think of juniper, I'd hate it. It's herby, huh? That was a timely comment. Shut up. <laughs> oh, no. You get it? Because time, no. we all get <laughs> it. Thanks, Aaron. With an H. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so... Uh, I actually, I, as much as I was just saying about how this would be interesting in a, in a margarita, the more I sip on it, the more I actually think tequila sunrise. I think uh, a little grenadine on the orange juice on this would really just uh, work out. So this is actually I, I, not a bad thing to, uh, to have for cocktails, I would say. We do a margarita melon, a mango melon margarita with this tequila, oh. fresh watermelon, mango balsam. Um, and it's divine. It's one of our most popular cocktails in the summer. So that's one of the things we want to talk about. So uh, if, if anyone's been to a Von Foss, this one is different than any other Von Foss because you guys have your own built-in bar. We were the first ones to adopt the bar concept into the Von Foss just to make it easier and more approachable for people to sit down and enjoy a flight. You can also get a flight of wine or an absinthe experience. So it doesn't just have to be hard liquor here. Well, we'll get back to the uh, the flight options because I think there's been other people who are like, I, I need to do that. That sounds awesome. Um, let's finish up on this tequila. Has anyone got uh, something else they want to add before we uh, take a little pause, move on from this? No? Um, I'll, I'll just chime in because I'm, I'm oftentimes the hater with certain kinds of uh, alcohol and I think tequila has never been really a favorite of mine. I will say this much, I expected to hate it the second I put it in my mouth. Oh, here we go. Anyway, but honestly, not too bad. A lot of character to it. Uh, I got some interesting notes. I, I, For whatever reason, the floral kicked in late for me, and my initial uh, notes that I was writing down was some sort of hot chocolate isn't the right term. I was kind of almost thinking like one of those herbal seasonal hot chocolates that might come out, vanilla infused with maybe some spices of some kind. That's what I was getting initially. Um, but the character of it was really cool. Although I'm not, like, 
I, I think floral alcohol, and all of a sudden I go, oh, salad, ugh, broccoli, all that kind of stuff. I'm like, I don't, all the things I hated as a kid, but for me, this was interesting. And if someone likes those kinds of things, I think they would probably love this. I can dig that. Um, I think with that, uh, we're going to take a little bit of a pause, get ourselves set up for our, our next set. Be right back. Welcome back into Number Report. We're on site at Vom Foss, Pacific City, Huntington Beach. Uh, so we just finished tasting a tequila that we've all kind of agreed is the most gin-like tequila we've had. Very cool, very interesting. Talked about some very fun ways to make it into different kinds of margaritas that wouldn't normally be had. But let's talk about one of your big mainstays here, which is your whiskeys. And now most people talk about whiskey, they talk about scotches, Irish, bourbon, even even Canadian, and, and it kind of goes out from there, maybe some Japanese. But what are we about to have next? We are about to have a 14-year-old whiskey from Spain. So um, this is a 14-year-old Spanish whiskey. It is fantastic. It is light. Um, you should be getting really kind of light notes in this. This is not something that's going to be heavy like a bourbon. It is going to be done scotch style, but it really reminds me more of an Irish in its sweetness. This is where we really talk about how important water sourcing is to whiskey producers. So there, this is in the mountains of Spain. They're using melted snowpack that runs from the back of their location as their water source. So a really fresh water source. This is also where you talk about how water picks up all the flavors around it. When I taste this whiskey, I can taste red bell pepper. I can taste a little sweetness from that pepper. I can taste like tapas flavors, like an almond, a nuttiness. Um, I get a lot of neat notes that I'm not usually associating with whiskey. And since it's so soft and subtle, I feel like you can pick up those notes really nicely. So your third sip is really kind of where I feel this one shines. Um, and go ahead and take a sip. Yeah, well, while we're doing that, I've, I've uh, gotten the chance to sneak ahead a little on this. Um, for anyone who likes a, um, it, it, it somehow is, is almost, almost has that uh, that peated smoke flavor without actually having any. It, it feels like it's leading up to it without actually giving it to you. So if uh, if you've got someone who isn't really too deep into the, the heavily peated scotches but wants to try something different, this might be really up their alley. You guys want to say something or add to this? It's like a candied scotch. Yeah. Candied scotch, huh? Yeah. It's candied scotch. That, that's really what I feel. On the first swallow, I was almost convinced this was peated. Like, wait, no, that's not, that's not peat. So the water, like I said, uh -huh. they're taking the water directly from the stream, directly right. from the river. It's coming from snowpack, so it's groundwater. Groundwater is always going to give you those mineral notes, those, um, and streams are always going to be known for a little peat or a little moss flavoring. Okay. But what I really taste is that almond and that um, that bell pepper taste, the red bell pepper taste. That's what I taste the most. Yeah. I was trying to, to see if I could... To, I'm always afraid when someone says a certain flavor that it's the only thing I'm going to be able to uh, taste. Um, there's so much to this. It took me a while to actually get around to find that bell pepper. It's more of that 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 note when you get when you swallow a bell pepper. It's not in your mouth anymore. It's, it's not that upfront almost bell pepper fruit. It's just past, like that edge of capsaicin without any capsaicin. This is gonna sound really weird, but when you say almond, I don't quite get the almond flavor. I've gotten that in other whiskeys before, but very similarly, 
you ever like sucked on a peach pit when you finish with it? That's like the, the flavor I'm getting in there. It's like when you suck on a peach pit when you got like a little bit left on there. Because it's got such a, a sweetness to it and a warmth to it as well. I enjoy it. I think opposite of you. I actually really get the, the almond. I'm a whiskey novice. Like I don't know very much, but I I can pick out the, the flavor of almond actually. And the sweetness, I think, complements it really well. I think almond can sometimes come across a little bit harsh, but the, there's a sweetness to it that does make it really pleasant. I, I'm getting the face from our no. uh, resident anti-whiskey <laughs> anti man. So, so I was going to go against Eric and say, there's a, to me, there's a, like an almond paste almost, especially on the smell. <laughs> it's that very sweet, almondy a little bit of hint of a taste to it, but on the smell especially, it just smells right out of a fresh tube of almond paste. I, I just want to know my, what I'm getting out of what I, I think I was at least initially thinking is almond when I had that idea planted in my head. I think it's a lot of the woodiness of this. It's actually a fairly heavy on the wood side of this. Um, it's just kind of disappearing under some of the other notes that are very, very prevalent up front. Some of the, what, what I assume are some of the mineral things giving what I at least interpreted what I think others are seeing as peat, I kind of got as a, I don't know what to call it other than like sourness is, is the word that came to mind for me. Um, I could, if someone said this gave a little bit of almost orange, but not quite that kind of flavor in it, that, that's what I was getting. Yeah, Randy, you wanted to add on that? So I, I, I was getting that wood and I was thinking kind of like campfire wood, not bog wood. And so it kind of reminds me of like a Canadian where it's light and airy and not too much smoke. Yeah. And all those things make sense. They are they are doing this in American white oak. So it's being aged for 14 years in American white oak. It's not a charred barrel. They're not doing anything special to the barrel. But you're going to feel like a Canadian whiskey with just that unfinished American white oak. And, and you were saying this is a, a 14 year? It is a 14 year old. Spanish whiskey. Yeah. I also want to just point out that as, as a bourbon lover, I think this is going to more appeal to the Scotch lovers in the room. Yeah. Uh, so we can, we can talk about, you know, all those rumors about whiskey with an E, whiskey without an E. Uh, the, the general rule is, is if they want to make themselves in the line of a Scotch, Scotch spelled whiskey without the E. If they want it to be more Irish, it's with the E. This one's spelled without the E. This is done Scotch style. Yeah. Yes. So, so this is... Much like how most Japanese do their whiskeys, it's in the vein of a Scotch versus in the vein of Irish or American or Canadian. Um, but I think I've got some very interesting notes. Uh, a lot of you might be thinking, "Wow, uh, whiskey from Spain? That's not what anyone would call traditional market. It's just one of the many strange, cool, unique things that they sell here." Carol, can you tell us about some of the other things that are just little hidden gems, hidden liqueurs that you might have here? Well, all the liqueurs are fun because they're one of my favorites to just mix with. Um, liqueurs are lighter in alcohol content but heavier in sugar content, and they really kind of make your cocktail. Um, they're also great to add to wine. They're also great to add to champagnes. So my favorite is the grapefruit. Ah. We make a brown derby with it oh. in the whiskey world. We do that and honey balsamic vinegar. Um, in the in the tequila world, we use the pink grapefruit in lieu of triple sec for a margarita. And in the gin world, I prefer sour cherry. 
but <laughs> so everybody has to have their favorites. You also have a sour sour cherry liqueur? Sour cherry liqueur is actually our most popular liqueur, yes. Oh. And a sour cherry and gin is kind of a, a kind of a classic combination. So for, for anyone who's not here for purely a tequila or a whiskey, they still have things that you need to try because those things sound amazing. Not to mention you were talking about having flights earlier and I, I've seen you guys have quite the collection of absinthe and you guys even have proper luching methodology here. We do. We have two absinthe. One is an original recipe from um, from 1856. The other one is a newer recipe. So one's at 55% um, alcohol. The other's at 72% alcohol by volume. Uh, I prefer luching that one just a little bit longer. But we luche them both. We tell you the entire history of absinthe and what made it popular or basically notorious. And uh, the truth as well as the falsehoods of all those stories. But I really, really perked up when you said that. Oh, well, we can talk about that another time. Um, Love to come back. If not, uh, again, we're, we're future customers in our own right. Uh, anyone else want to add to this uh, Spanish whiskey? Uh, I had one last note that I wanted to add, which is that uh, just is a quick classification for this, at least where I'm rating this, um, as essentially like a stepping stone one, where things like that we've actually had on the, on the podcast before, like hedonism, for instance, it was very light, very sweet. Some people would almost border on calling it a scotch to begin with. This, I feel like, is a more stepping stone of getting into like the uh, some of the more heavy scotches. A lot of pe- more people would associate with higher peat count or higher peat amount and that kind of thing. At least that's where I'm uh, putting this. A nice, uh, nice stepping stone for people. Yeah, I, I can easily see this being a nice, uh, <clears throat> nice one for anyone who wants to make like a blood center or another Scotch-based cocktail and having something a little different, but still having something they can sip on. Um, I, I find this really cool, really amusing. I always love trying things from new places and emerging whiskey markets. Uh, if we've got nothing else, I think we'll take a pause and we'll get ourselves set up for our next round. Welcome back to Imperfect Core. We're still here at Vong Foss, Pacific City, Huntington Beach. We've gone through uh, our, a little tequila. Now we've had some Spanish whiskey. And now we're moving on to another abnormal market when it comes to whiskey. Carol, why don't you tell us about what we're about to have? This is Tengadrag. This is a Welsh whiskey. Tengadrag translates to Fire of the Dragon. Dragon being the national symbol of Welsh. Uh, so yeah, the Welsh are definitely not known for making whiskey, even though they're in the same general land as uh, as Scotland and Ireland. Randy, you want to interject against that? They're just known for really long names that have weird meanings. Yeah, um, I think most Gaelic terms are also in that general vein, but we'll, we'll worry about I think the Welsh that. might disagree with you. I'm sure they will. Uh, so talk to us about um, the process for making this one. So the cool thing about this whiskey is they're aging it in Buffalo Trace bourbon barrels, which is probably the sweetness and the heat that you're getting on the end. So you're getting some of the natural burn that you'd get from a scotch, but you're getting this nice caramel note or this nice campfire note that kind of comes through the whiskey. Um, and, it's, and that's purely from the Buffalo Trace bourbon barrels. So when you look at something that's aged, Everything, every spirit comes out of the still completely clear. The color comes from the barrel. So here you're going to notice a little darker in color. Again, that Buffalo Trace bourbon barrel, but this is a very young whiskey. This is only a couple years old. So that again is where you're getting the burn from. So I took you from a 14-year-old whiskey with subtle notes 
to a two-year-old, but that Buffalo Trace barrel helps kind of mellow it out. And that's what barrels really do for a whiskey or any spirit, actually. It mellows out the spirit and it adds a flavor to it. Um, Bourbons are known to cheat a little by caramelizing the wood sugars by freshly charring barrels. And that adds a lot more depth of flavor at a younger and younger age. Reusing those barrels, you still get that depth of flavor at a younger age. But that's why you see scotches done in sherry barrels to give them a little sweetness at the end or other casts that have originally been used with something that's traditionally more sweeter to give them depth of flavor, complexity. So we were we were talking in the last little bit about how the Spanish one was spelled whiskey without the E, so in the Scotch form. This one spelled with the E, so more Irish than it would be Scottish? Yes, but to me it tastes more Scottish than Irish. I'm still getting that burn that I get from a Scotch. We're not the same sugary sweetness that I get from an Irish. But taste is subjective, so what do you all taste? I think more Irish. I think this one is kind of like a little bit of the antithesis of the other one. Didn't quite get that word out, right? But antithesis? Yeah, that one. Antithesis. Okay. The antithesis. So whereas the previous one was more scotch with like a little bit of sweetness, like almost hints of bourbon or Canadian or stuff, I feel like this one's definitely more like more bourbony, but like there's that like hint of scotch in there with that smoke. Um, this one smells amazing, by the way. It's like on the nose, it feels like like honeysuckle flower. It took me back to like summer as a kid. Um, and just the smell of those flowers, like I smelt it, I just had to stop and smell it again. It was amazing. Yeah. Michael, you want to say something on this one? Yeah, no, um, it's very, very sweet. I get almost kind of a bit of fruit forward, but like um, kind of almost a little artificial fruit forward. Like if you think of like canned or candied fruit, because it's very, very kind of sugary like on the palate. Yeah, like a canned pear or like maraschino cherry, that kind of thing. Just very, very kind of sugary. Um, and it is hot. Definitely agree with that assessment. It's a little little hot going down on the back end there. Um, but yeah, kind of overwhelms the palate a little bit with the sugar. Second sip was a little more vanilla or something. I'm having trouble placing it, but that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. I, I can see around the corner that Bjorn's trying to hide from me. I guess he doesn't want to talk about this one. You want to make a comment there? I know how much you're going to love this. Oh, Jeff, you want to interject May I first? interject before he does? Because I just want to preface what Bjorn's about to say with I'm slightly angry because this is so good and I think Bjorn hates it so much. I just... <laughs> <laughs> before he does. All right. Anyway. I so. do hate everything about this. <laughs> My notes from this go are burn, leads to smoke, leads to smoke, leads to bad. <laughs> We'd like to make sure that you guys understand, Bjorn's not hating on this whiskey. Bjorn hates on every oh, whiskey. whiskey. I think season one. I think in the years that I have known him, I have had him try maybe five that he gave a positive number response to. And one of them was a Van Winkle. Just so that everyone understands his level of unflavorism towards whiskey. I like that unflavorism. <laughs> well, I don't want to say that he hated it, but it was definitely unflavored in his perspective. So, yeah, he might, might you know. Uh, Rainy, you want to say something? Want to add into this? No, nah, I mean, other than the fact that, that, that canned peaches or like a good old pecan pie, I just get that out of it. Uh, I could definitely see making this into uh, a real nice, either a baked pecan pie or reducing it uh, with some fruit into a, a nice glaze for a bread pudding or something like that. 
very interesting from my perspective. Derek, you want to add on that? Yeah, so we're talking about, you know, it feels more like an Irish versus a uh, Scotch. I'm getting that, and I, I might be crazy, because I probably am. But every time I have an Irish whiskey, there's this metallic tang that I associate with Irish whiskey. From the nose and just on the tongue. And I'm getting that right now, too. It just, I don't know what I'm tasting, but I get like a metallic tang every time I have an Irish. And I'm getting that now. Yeah. So I actually know what that is. Is it the pot still? It is because the pot is a short, stubby pot, which is indicative to an Irish style pot. Yeah, and I always assumed it might be the pot, but then I have some that aren't made in the pot still that are Irish like, but not pot still. That I get that metallic tang, but I could just be associating. This is where we should probably talk about copper. Yeah. And the whiskey world of, and what the whiskey world believes about copper. So copper is known to draw those impurities away from the whiskey, away from the spirit. Okay, collect it. So some whiskey people will say, use as much copper as you can afford. But copper is very expensive. So other whiskey pl- players say, you just need a little bit of copper and that'll take care of it. So if you're sensitive to something like a metal tang, you might be sensitive to the amount of copper they are or are using in the whiskey. So it might be an opportunity for you to ask more questions along the whiskey paddle. Jeff, you wanted to add on that? Oh, yeah. I also want to add, because a lot of my notes were a lot of the positives of this, and one of the positives I wrote down was actually that it had very little of the Irish metallic feel to it. So I will say, at least for my for my taste buds, compared to a, to a lot of other Irish whiskeys that I've had, and a lot less of it. I was getting, if someone told me that this was some sort of cross between a bourbon and a scotch, I would kind of believe them. And I could, if they told me Irish later on, that would actually catch me a little bit by surprise, even though it still has some of those characters. I actually, I actually have to go looking for them. I agree, because I taste it a little bit, but I do like it. So it's not a, a real Irish whiskey, but I like it. So, <laughs> Same here. Good So in the interim, I gave Bjorn a little bit of chai vodka because him not being a whiskey lover, but me knowing that he is a vodka lover, we decided to go off the spirit wall a little bit and kind of give him a little something extra or something different. And that's kind of what we do here at Von Foss. We personalize and specialize. So if we have a conversation and it's not going well, we can always try something new. And, and speaking about things like that, let's talk about the other half of your store here. Because you definitely have this place kind of split down the middle to a certain extent. And you guys have tons of flavors of olive oils, many flavors of vinegars, and an entire corner of different wines. What What are some of the flavors you have? What what would you introduce with them? Talk to me about what you've got there. So as far as olive oils and vinegars go, these are great marinades. These are really great things to saute in. These are great to put in after the fact. There's just a lot of options with food. Um, some of my personal favorite for a quick ceviche, calamansi, or our mango vinegar makes a really nice ceviche so you're not squeezing limes all day. It also makes a great chicken marinade if you want to do like a lemon chicken. So on the olive oil side, we have some infused olive oils, but we also have natural olive oils that are just from different parts of the world. So we have a Greek olive oil, it's going to come across more grassy. And then we have Italian olive oils, they come across more, um, more subtle. 
We have Spanish olive oils and they're going to come across different as well. So you just get the opportunity to experiment with products you don't normally experiment, see how it changes your food, um, and just have a good time. So, um, and as we talked about that you guys have a little bit of a, a try before a sale, you, you send samples the same way of the oil, olive oils and the vinegars as you do, say, a whiskey or something? I mean, So the olive oil and vinegar, we taste off a spoon. You really don't need as much of it to taste. So no and shot glasses? Whiskey, no, no shot glasses. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want you running to the bathroom after five sips. And too much olive oil with no food will do that to you. So we, uh, with the whiskeys, with the spirits, we serve them out of a little glass. We give you just a little sip. It's just enough to coat your tongue, see if you like it. But it's going to be a little bit more, enough to coat the tongue. Just a wee cup. <laughs> uh, fantastic. I, I was thinking while having this that the, uh, I guess it might just be the amount of Buffalo Trace being the, the barrel source. How, with it being especially on the, the, the younger, more brash side, that it would lend itself to some very cool, interesting, stronger cocktails. What, what in your opinion, would you cocktail out of the, the Welsh, or would you not? So, I don't cocktail out of the Welsh, um, but I like the Welsh. Um, to me, if you're going to cocktail with the Welsh, I would turn it more like Dirty Martini-esque. I would enhance that salt flavor and keep it fairly pure. Just add a little bit of water to it. Um, I wouldn't do, I wouldn't do a, a, um, you wouldn't do an old-fashioned I wouldn't do an old-fashioned with it. Um, it would make a sweet old-fashioned. It would make a very subtle old-fashioned, but it would probably make one you're going to drink a little too fast. So <laughs> I have done an old-fashioned with our rye before. It is also a very subtle rye. I ended up drinking five when I should have had two. It did not turn out well for me, but that's what happens when you use too soft of a whiskey for an old-fashioned. An old-fashioned needs a heavier, a heavier bite. Yeah. Um, and for those who are curious, I mean, how many how many whiskeys would you say that you have on site here? Just a general guess. Sixteen. Sixteen, eighteen. <laughs> eighteen whiskeys <laughs> yeah. on the wall. Yeah. So, so purely from the whiskey world, eighteen, all I'm kinds, right? You've got bourbons, ryes, scotches, Irish. You pretty much cover all the bases, right? We do. We've got one from India. Um, we're missing a Japanese right now. It's the next thing that I want in, but most of the rest of the countries are covered. Fantastic. Um, I think with that, I think we're going to be setting ourselves up for our next one. So we'll take a pause and move on. Welcome back into an Perfect Pour. We are still on site at Von Foss, Pacific City, Huntington Beach, California. The waves are just feet away from where we are. Look out the window and see them. Although I guess you have to look the right direction. None of us are looking in that direction. Anyways, we're now, uh, we've moved past our tequila tasting. We've been to a Spanish wine, and we've talked about a Welsh, not Spanish wine, Spanish whiskey. Well, it was Spanish it whiskey. whiskey, not yeah, wine. How yeah. drunk am I? When did I get yeah, wine? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> when did the wine happen? The, the wine is what you guys are doing now. Your wine, never mind. Uh, <laughs> then we moved into the Welsh whiskeys. Carol, what do we have next to try? We are going to go with a quintessential scotch. This is a, um, a Grey Glen, is what it's called. It's a Highland Scotch. It is a blend. It is an eight-year-old. So the youngest barrel blended into this is eight years old. It came from multiple distilleries in the Glen area. Okay? But every time I taste this one, this to me, this is exactly what I expect scotch to taste like. 
This is not going to be too much of anything. It is just a nice, highland, easy drinking, perfect pour. And this is why when people tell me, I don't drink blended whiskey, I only drink single malt. I'm like, you're missing out because blending barrels, blending different distilleries, really, it's like blending a nice wine, blending from different wineries. You're getting a beautiful beginning, middle, and end. And when you blend different grapes, just like when you blend different whiskeys, you get the perfect beginning, middle, and end. It turns out to be a beautiful bottle. And a consistent flavor profile. This is why Jack Daniels became popular. And this is why whiskey became popular originally, is because every time you pull that bottle of Jack Daniels, it always tastes like Jack Daniels. But when you pull a 14-year-old Spanish, this year it's gonna be gorgeous, Five years from now, more rain, less rain, less harvest, more harvest, it's not gonna taste the same. Just like when you pour that bottle of wine today, it's not gonna be the same, even if it's the same maker, from a bottle of wine five years from now. So it changes, but a blend will give you a nice consistent flavor, and a blend is gonna be the same thing every single time for you. So I wanted to start in here. You are absolutely right, anytime I think of like a middle of the road, not too peated, but not peat free. It's there, it's not in your face. It is just a straight up, if you wanted to tell somebody what normal scotches taste like, this is a great baseline. Um, I, I'd like to actually see if, if Derek, who's our, our kind of resident scotch fan, has to say about this. It's. I, I sadly feel like I don't really have much to add because you pretty much hit the nail on the head there. It like I can taste the peatiness. It's not like a like an Ardbeg or a uh, a Lagavulin where you're getting hit over the head with it. You can taste you know the it's, it's toasty. It's warm. It's almost like a little salty, but not really salty, but kind of like that. It just it's it, it's it's Scotch. Like this is just. When I think of scotch, this is scotch. Like you, yeah. So that's that's the traditional. I'm saying what it is because it tastes like it is. Yeah, I, I don't really have a whole lot to add. It, it tastes really good, but it's it's scotch. It's mm. it's like the perfect scotch. When you have scotch in your mind and you say this is what scotch tastes like, this is what I this is what I taste in my head. Um, so again, it's not like a Laphroaig or we have a Longmorn, which has, you know, notes of, of um, caramel and notes of peat at the end. And you're going to get loads of meringue and some pineapple in it. It's kind of different for a scotch. This isn't, this isn't one of those scotch where you're searching for a bunch of flavors. This is... Yeah. It, like, compared to like a, a Glen Brangy or whatever, you know, other Highland scotches that have like almost like fruity flavors to it. It just, it tastes like scotch. So it's pretty easy to say this is pretty much what you would call scotch 101. I would think so. Yeah, I mean, it's really smooth. It's, I don't think there's any particular flavor that really screams. It, there's nothing that stands out very sharply. Like you're saying, it's just kind of got like a whole flavor to it. Like I'm not, I didn't really get any of the fruit that, that you pointed out. Like it just didn't really stand out to me. I, I don't know if I'm supposed to be smelling almost a smokiness when I smell it, but um, I, I think it's good. Like you're saying, just an easy drinking scotch. I liked it. Yeah. 
Go ahead, Aaron. So for me, if the previous one was like kind of a very light hint of like the peatiness and scotch, like the like the very first introduction to peat, this would be like step two. Like this is the establishing that peat baseline, like you the peat baseline, like you were saying. Um, so like yeah, this third one and fourth one is like your introduction into the world of peat and those flavors, and this is a great way to do it. If you had a stock photo of scotch, it'd be this. Like this would be this flavor. This is the Getty image yeah. of, of scotch. Yeah, if you, yeah. Like it, <laughs> it checks every mo every box. Um, yeah. Go ahead. I feel like I'm getting a slight look into Derek's personality here, because like my first instinct on having this was smooth and savory, and I'm like, this is almost exactly the kind of thing that I think Derek would want in a drink. So, anyway. Yeah. Randy, you want to say something on that? Oh, guys. I mean, uh, if you want to go for it, Michael, go for it. Yeah. All right. So it, it does have that Scotch 101 where you're going to taste bog, which, you know, for people who don't know what the word bog means, it's a fancy word for swamp. And it, it it's generally not offensive. I mean, it's not Octomore where it literally, you know, drowns you in the bog itself. And it's not like Highland Park where you don't taste anything. It's got a good function of swamp. I know that not everyone's going to, you know, be super versed in a lot of scotches, but this reminds me of Clonellish. See, I get no peat flavor in this at all. So I know you guys are talking bog and so forth, but the Highlands aren't traditionally known for it. Um, traditionally, you're, you're going to get space sides that have a little bit of that, and then the islands have a ton of it. But, um, but I don't get that from this, but I do get a warmth and I get an earthiness, and I get the same earthiness that I get in all scotches, that mineraliness, that earthiness, that I know a lot of people associate with peat because that earthy flavor that comes from peat. So I find it interesting that, that you all taste peat, and that's wonderful. Um, and then you had said something, Chris. Could you say that again? I was saying that this reminds me a lot of uh, Clonellish. In the sense that it is middle of the road, yes. Yeah. I think Clonellish is slightly softer, but when you look at a chart from, from fruity to light for, to heavy peat to no peat, Clonellish sits right in the middle of that chart, and I think it's a great baseline for scotch. I also think that this is a great baseline for scotch. Yeah, I, I think uh, this is younger than, traditional Clonellish is 14, I think this is seven, This is eight, so eight? yeah, this is this is younger than a traditional Clonellish. Maybe a little and like then, uh, for Bjorn, I gave Bjorn um, a little bit of fruit punch and I squeezed a little bit of lime in that. That is from our liquor section, our liqueur section, um, so high sugar. But that one is 42% alcohol, so still heavy liquor, like hard liquor. Uh, what do you think about that, Bjorn? You know, it was very sweet, uh, almost syrupy so, but it was it was really delicious. I, I It called to me. I could do that. So traditionally when we serve that, we'll serve it with soda water to wipe that down a little bit. But since we're all drinking scotch neat, I decided to serve you yours neat, but just uh -huh. with a little bit of lime. Okay. Well, and you, you gave him that liqueur and he gave me his scotch. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He walked right over and added his to Derek's glass. So I kind of got to say that I'm I'm not really a big fan of this. I Anyone who really knows me knows that I like some scotches. And I have very good friends who know a lot about scotch who tend to steer me away from the ones that I won't like. Derek over here would probably garnish his drink with peat moss if you let him. He'd just be out there licking the ground <laughs> in Scotland. And um, this has just enough peat that I don't like it for me. 
Um, and I can kind of see it's that middle of the road scotch. I wouldn't say quite introductory because it actually has a pretty decent presence of all of those set flavors. Whereas like maybe for people who aren't very good at peat like me, I try to introduce them to something. If I'm introducing them to scotch, I start them with a scotch that's very light on all of those flavors rather than mid middle of the road, medium on all those flavors. But that's for wimps like me. Um, so definitely agree that all those flavors are there, but I don't really particularly care for the way they all come together. Just I like the the sweeter ones. I, I'm a big fan of those Compass Box, uh, you know, yeah. and what not scotches. The, yeah. the non-scotch yeah. scotches. <laughs> Pete Monster. If yeah. there's a hint of peat on my scotch, that's like the maximum for me. So you like your peat like uh, uh, like Churchill liked his martinis? Mm-hmm. Yeah, staring at a bottle of it? See? A lot of it. Okay. A lot of them. <laughs> yeah, you go ahead, so, I'm going to ask, Carol, do you have like a group option for people to come in and do tastings like what we're doing? We do. We do do events. Traditionally, we are we give away our events. So if you come in and you ask for a donation, we'll usually donate events for auction. Um, and they'll get donated for auction. The, the place that's getting the donation will get all the money. And you'll come in and you'll have an experience. So um, we do events of up to eight people. And you come in, you could tell us whiskey, you could tell us brandies, you could tell us tequilas, um, or you could tell us wines and champagnes. With the champagnes, we add the liqueurs. So then you're doing like a petals of floral notes, floral and sweet notes, or, or fruits and floral notes for the champagne. Um, so we have a few options on coming in and having a tasting. And then again, we always try to do what we just did here, where somebody in the group is like, I really don't like whiskeys. And I kind of pulled something off the shelf that was a little bit different. The first one being a chai vodka, and then the second one being a fruit punch liqueur. So give them something that they would enjoy so everybody can have a good time. Derek, you want to ask a question also, it seems like? Um, this is actually not a question directly for Carol, but to uh, everybody in general. We're talking about how this kind of doesn't really hit any notes in a um, heavy way because it hits all of them. But does anybody else feel that it has kind of a heavy, oily mouthfeel to it? Extremely yes. much, yeah. Okay. Uh, yes. Literally yes, one yes. of the notes I wrote down was creamy, almost. Yeah. Like, I didn't know how else to say it. It, rem it reminded me almost um, of, a, of a Macallan in that way with the, the oily mouthfeel. If, if not so in the flavor profile, but the, the mouthfeel of it at the very least. Yeah. All right. Um, I, I think it's very lovely. Like, I've said it's similar to other things, but it is definitely kind of its own, own placement. Um, anyone else want to add something? Any other, any other questions here? I think that's a good chance for us to uh, take a pause and we'll move on to our next. <laughs> Welcome back. We are here at Von Foss, Pacific City still. This is still the Imperfect Pour. We are uh, going to be getting into our, our fifth drink here of the night. Uh, but before we get there, let's find out a little bit about um, this space that we're in. This is uh, a specialty part of Pacific City called Lot 579. Um, it, it seems almost like a world unto itself compared to the rest of this kind of outdoor mall going on in Pacific City. Can you talk to us about what, what's going on here in Lot 579? So, Lot 579 is basically a really funky food court. 
Um, there's a lot of really great places. Everything is kind of non-traditional, uh, not not big chains. But then there's things like Dude's Brewery in the center, which is a lot of fun if you're a beer drinker and not a whiskey drinker. Um, there's a Petals and Pop. They just do champagne and fresh cut flowers. So if you're taking your girl out for roses, it's a nice place to go. Um, and then there's there's a Dude there's a there's a burger place. There's fish place so you've got a lot of a pie knot from Austria you've got homemade ice cream got a lot of kind of fun funky things it's all centered around food and drink I thought Von Foss would be the perfect uh, tasting addition to that it, it definitely seems like it um, so more about you though because obviously if you were so enthused to want to open up a place like this what is your go-to cocktail because you'd have to have something to go You'd have to have something to want to open a place like this. Old fashioned. But the problem with an old fashioned is people mess it up. <laughs> so if you muddle a cherry in my old fashioned, I will shoot you. Um, <laughs> so I usually will ask how they do it, and if they can't do it right, I'll ask for whiskey neat. But, um, but an old fashioned is my go to. I like a really big, strong, bold um, bourbon or rye, preferably rye. And then the sweetness from the simple syrup bitters a little extra orange bitters if you've got it but definitely that orange rind on there and if you put anything other than a Losardo cherry in it forget it and most of the time I don't even want that so um, <laughs> just a really classic simple old-fashioned is kind of my go-to so you're in the belief that no seltzer should be put into an old-fashioned I'm sorry what there are no people who put seltzer what? yeah no yeah. <laughs> Okay. I have actually seen that done where they put seltzer over an over a, a cube of sugar and they think a cube of sugar is the right way to do old fashioned. So let me just be clear. Sugar does not dissolve in alcohol. Or cold. Sugar anyway. does dissolve in water, but cold water is not the best for dissolving sugar. So I do not agree with this sugar cube concept. Use simple syrup. It's always already dissolved. You're not going to get sugar granulates at the bottom of your old-fashioned. The whole thing's not going to be too strong while the last two sips are way too sweet. So even this out, people. Okay. So just so we don't scare some people off here. Um, obviously, the rest of us are, if you're on this podcast, we're obviously alcohol enthusiasts through and through. Um, should, they, should people be worried if they're not as enthusiastic about alcohol, if they're more novice about it coming in here? No, not at all. Most of the people who come in here don't know that much about alcohol, or they're just into wine, or they think they're just into something else. This is all about exploration. This is all about trying something new. And all we ask is that you try, and you don't even have to do that. So we give you as much knowledge or as little knowledge as you want or you're comfortable with. With this group, I know that you're looking for a little bit more knowledge, so I'm going to talk until you tell me not to. But with any other group, it's really, if you ask questions, we will give you as much information as you want. If you don't seem like you're that interested in the information, you just want to try, just try a little and, and, and go on. So it's, it's really, it should be a personal experience every time you come in. With that, let's let's worry about our next personal experience here. So what do we have in front of us for our fifth drink? So I am now going to a brandy. This is an Armagnac. So whiskeys are distilled beer. Like beer is made out of a cereal grain, whiskey is always going to be made out of a cereal grain. Brandies are distilled wine. They are always going to be made out of fruit, just like wine is always going to be made out of fruit. This is an Armagnac. comes from the Armagnac region of France. 
We have the Cognac region of France, where Cognac is from, just a brandy called Cognac. Armagnac region of France, Armagnac. This is a 25-year-old Armagnac. This is going to be made out of Uni Blanc, Fume Blanc, and Chin Blanc grapes. This is going to be done in a limousine oak barrel from the Tronce Forest of France. Um, limousine oak barrels are really known for being entirely too expensive, so very expensive barrels, but they're also known for adding that, uh, that nice smoothness or that nice viscosity. In this sense, you do have a lot more viscosity in this than you do with traditional cognac. Brandies are after dinner drinks. You do not drink them with food. They are going to be cheese or dessert only. So brandies, traditionally not a food drink, traditionally an after dinner dessert, with this one's viscosity, I thought it would be a nice dessert for you all. I, uh, I, I, I like this. Uh, I was a little surprised at first because the uh, the initial punch was a little more than I expected, but wow, what a finish on this bad boy! I mean, it just nice, smooth, some really cool, intense flavors that I, I haven't gotten from a lot of uh, different almanacs. Um, I think with that, uh, so Sandra, you want to talk up about this bad boy? I actually love this one. Um, it's sweet, it's light, but at the same time, when I first took a sip of it, I thought it was going to taste like hellfire going down. Like, I thought it was going to burn, but it didn't. It's actually really just nice and easy. I can, now it makes sense that it's an after dinner, it's a dessert type of drink. And it's just really pleasant. I like it. I'll add a little bit more to how you drink brandy, because I'm not sure everybody realizes. With brandy, you're traditionally going to put it in a snifter. You want the smallest possible amount in the largest possible glass. And the reason is that you're using your hand to warm it up. The more your hand warms it up, the more fumes come off the brandy, the more you enjoy the aromas before the flavor. And again, this is super great with chocolate. The darker the chocolate, the better. And if you let the chocolate melt in your mouth rather than chew it, and then you take a sip of this brandy, phenomenal. All right, so for all the times you complained about me shoving whiskey down your throat, Bjorn, this is your wheelhouse, isn't it? Oh, this is right in my wheelhouse. All this right. is uh, all sorts of deliciousness. It was big and bold up front, and it just dissipated. Uh, a lot of earthiness, a lot of caramel, some hints of spice. Uh, this, I know Carol says it's for after dinner. I would have it before. I would have it for lunch. <laughs> uh, you would have again, I'm a cognac, armagnac, and actually wine fan. I wanted to ask you about some of your wines, and I will later. But you know, if you had a hammer or almagnac, you'd hammer in the morning. You'd drink almagnac in the morning. You'd hammer in the evening. You'd drink almagnac in the evening. Yeah. So what you're saying is you you want a camel pack just of this all day, just on your back, no matter what you're doing all day of the work. Using your back. Never mind. Wow. <laughs> I'm not saying you're an alcoholic, but I'm saying you do enjoy your uh, your max. I do enjoy my max. I want to uh, just so you know at home. Ever since uh, Carol mentioned you're supposed to warm up your your brandy or cognac or armagnac, Aaron and I are holding our hands out <laughs> like we're asking for some more as we swirl it around to try to warm it up. Um, I think we're idiots, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> it, it it's. I've always been preaching that there's no right or wrong way unless you're trying to be, you know, you're not you're not going to be sniffing lines of Armagnac, but trying things however you want, you're not going to be doing it wrong. Agreed. Enjoy it how you enjoy it. Yeah. If you want to add a little water to bring down that alcohol content a little bit, or if you really just like your drinks cold and you want to throw an ice cube in it, 
No one should tell you how to enjoy your drink. Uh, I, I'll tell them. Don't add water to this. It's way too good as it is. <laughs> so, now, here, here. As, as someone who likes pancakes, this is just like a dream come true. <laughs> this is... Uh, this is all of the syrups that I hop that they have on the side there. If you took the best ones, combine them together somehow, you're getting this. Um, so, I'd like to interrupt as Jeff's roommate. Him going to the IHOP syrup, he loves his IHOP and he loves his IHOP syrup, so that's a very good compliment. Oh, yeah, that's it, a compliment. It's not demeaning in any way. This is, <laughs> this is the highest compliment Jeff can give. Much like the Blanco, don't add water. Yeah. Um, so, one of the things I actually wanted to, to, to talk to you about normally, in the U.S., we don't talk about Armagnacs and Cognacs and cocktails, although most of our American cocktails are actually bastardized versions of cocktails made with that. Um, for most of you who don't know, one of my favorite cocktails in the world is actually a Sazerac, which for most Americans means rye or bourbon. That's actually an American bastardization. The first Sazeracs were made with Cognac and Armagnac instead of whiskeys. Hmm. I'm almost curious what something like this would be like as a Sazerac. So for our Sazerac, we actually do an Austrian whiskey because the Austrian whiskey is super floral and I feel like all of those notes from the um, from the 72 Absinthe really brings out those other florals in the whiskey and they kind of pair together. So Absinthe has a lot of florals and herbs in it naturally and when you enhance those, you get a really lovely cocktail. So we're, we're ours is a little lighter, but I might actually turn around and try that. We might have to try it with a, with a maybe the Armin, maybe a 25 year old Armagnac is a little too much to try with that, but yeah. maybe a Spanish brandy? Well, so we're talking about that. It, Aaron, you were, you were saying earlier that the, the way this place is laid out, you were asking a question, you want to ask a question about uh, the layout? Yeah, here? I was pointing at those barrel pyramids over there and wondering what is in those and what can you tell me about those because I want to try those. So we have, uh, one of one of the drinks we're trying now is in those barrel pyramids. So oh. we, the far right pyramid is all brandies. Oh. So in the More far left pyramids, we've got a good six different brandies, including a 50-year-old cognac, the Armagnac we just tried. We have a Cavados, which you may not know is made out of apples. So um, it's also from France. And then a 15-year-old um, Spanish brandy, and then an unaged brandy in there, like a pear brandy, which is really a lot of fun to put in sangria. It's how I spike my sangrias. Um, and then on the other side, we have tequilas and rums. So uh, Barbados, Trinidad, Jamaican, and of course, four different tequilas, different ages, and we discussed those earlier in the show. And then the barrels on the far wall is the wall of whiskey. That's our 18 barrels of different whiskeys. We do have a couple fun dessert type whiskeys, like an Irish whiskey liqueur. And that is actually in a balloon in the liqueur section because it's so high in sugar content. Yes, please. But it's, it's yeah, it's absolutely divine. It's, we can't really call it, it's Irish whiskey, but it's so high in sugar, it's really more like a liqueur. We call it a dessert whiskey here. Yeah, Jeff, what do you got over there? Uh, I also wanted to throw on what, uh, just a comment really quick that despite, well, just one quick comparison, which was that as of the last drink, uh, or a few of the ones we were having where I was kind of calling them savory drinks, I feel like we've now gone to the very polar opposite here. I am actually very curious what Michael thought about them, what we just had, because this was 
being the very much the sweet side of things, that other side of the table uh, where you're getting something that's absolutely delicious. Could totally see this with a dessert pairing. They were mentioning having uh, some some dessert whiskeys. Is that what you said just a second ago? I'm having a little bit of trouble here, to be honest. Yeah, a dessert whiskey. Okay, it's an so, Irish whiskey liqueur. It's a dessert whiskey. I, I've got to imagine somebody probably having a very good time here coming if they were interested in if they just had dinner having desserts doing a run of desserts say dessert whiskeys I would actually very much recommend they throw that in there because even though we just had several whiskeys in a row that absolutely went with them it did not fight with it at all I, I thought it was absolutely wonderful those things together you would think the show is sponsored by absolute with all the absolutes we're throwing in <laughs> absolutely absolutely okay well wow. um it, it, it's warmed up now. Quick update: the yeah, the hand warming is actually working. Like, you, so yeah, I didn't think that was gonna the work. Viscosity has gone down quite a bit too. I don't know if that's normal or if I have ruined it. It no, is no. It's better. It's normal. This is even better now. Okay, Michael, you got a you got a comment here? Yeah. Uh, so to kind of touch in because he asked kind of what I thought. I did actually really like it. My first taste, maybe it's because I was just coming off of some ice water or something. It did come across way too hot and I was just getting the alcohol off it but I let it warm up a bit and I kind of took a few more sips and let it run over my tongue and I really appreciated the sweetness um, not like with what I've experienced with a lot of the, the fruit brandies, the pear brandies, apple brandies things like that, it's not too sweet I almost wouldn't say that you have to have this you know, with dessert or wine and cheese necessarily, it's kind of on that border where you could kind of play around with it, for me I like sweet a lot so I'm willing to pair it with a lot of things um, but I also kind of wanted to ask Carol, um, we haven't really talked as much about branding like we do. We'll talk about, you know, where you can get this whiskey or that whiskey. But I know some of the things or all of the things you guys serve here, you can only get here. Is that correct? So Von Voss is, uh, is it, it's a company from Germany and it kind of looks for... What does Von Voss mean? <laughs> Von Voss is German. It means from the cask. Oh, okay. So it's kind of pulls the best of the best from around the world, but you're really dealing with small lot and you're dealing with small distillers and you're dealing with people who wouldn't necessarily have an, the opportunity to import to a place like the U.S. because to import to the U.S. traditionally you need to do volume. So Von Foss is a really great way for these little guys to kind of get showcased. So we're not competing with a big box store. We're not competing with these big places or these big chains because all our little guys can't number one like a big box store would never buy them they're not producing enough for them and they're not getting the volume that they really need to get the price breaks that they really need so that's where von Voss comes in and kind of showcase something a little different a little new a little outside the ordinary a little something special a little something that you really couldn't get anywhere and that's why we like allowing people just to taste it thank you okay i have to ask a question because I've been staring at them since we walked in here. Those beautiful gift wraps, I think bottles over there. What are those? So we've kind of got like little gift ideas all over the store. We've got um, gift sets of, of oils and vinegars for people who like to cook. We've got gift sets that have oils, vinegars, then pasta, then wine in it for kind of like what you'd expect for a night, a dinner at home together. Um, we've got cocktail gift baskets that have everything you need in it to, to mirror how we make our cocktails. 
all our cocktails here are craft. They're all kind of special. They're all kind of just unique to us. We don't use any fruit juices here. We only use our vinegars. Our vinegars are, we have a few true balsamic vinegars, but most of our vinegars are what we call balsams. A true balsamic is a very specific grape from a very specific region of Italy. And we're really making vinegars here just out of purely fruit, but fruits you don't normally make them out of, like raspberry or calamansi or mangoes. And so when we put these into our cocktails, we can use them in lieu of a fruit juice. So you're taking out all those extra preservatives and all those extra calories that you get from a fruit juice. You're getting a little extra acid in your cocktail, which makes it kind of nice. Um, and then some fresh lime or herb always to round it off. Very nice. Um, I think with that, we're gonna take a pause before we do a little wrap up here. Welcome in, we're here at uh, Vom Foss, Pacific City, Huntington Beach. This is still in Riverport. We had to take a little pause there while we we're kind of gathering our notes on it. Even in that, even to add to the personalized experience that we've been getting here, Carol actually got a couple of people, a couple extra little tasters just to have on the side. You guys really go out of your way to try to make each individual person come in here get a truly independent experience. It's great. Well, we, we want people to try something that they we think they're going to enjoy, right? You don't want to try five things and hate them all. Like, there's enough here that if you have a conversation with us, you talk about what you do like or don't like in each particular drink we give you, then it helps guide us to what we should give you. And that's what we're really going for. We're going for you to have that aha moment where this is so great, I love this. And that's exciting for us, and it's exciting for you. So I kind of gave our gentleman who really likes the really heavy peat, I gave him some Kragabus. And Kragabus is an island, it's an island scotch, it's really heavy peat. It also has some Port Ellen in it, and Port Ellen is a very special distiller. It's a distillery that's been shut down, it's been sold, it's being redone completely, it's being revamped, and the first thing that they're going to produce is a 16-year-old. It is going to take them five years to redo the distillery. We're not going to see anything from this distillery in Port Ellen for a good 20 years. So. I feel like the Port Ellen in that Kragabus just really mellows it out. It really gives it an umptiousness to it. You still get all that heavy peat, but you get this nice tone underneath. And the other thing I did is I gave the other two gentlemen that like sweet a little bit of the Irish whiskey liqueur we were talking about earlier. So let, let's take a little bit of time uh, just to do a quick review here. Derek, how did you like that? That was, that was wonderful. Um, a lot of times with the kind of like with, with heavily hopped IPAs, heavily peated scotches burn, like a lot. Um, and I enjoy it, but this was just, I can enjoy the flavor without being overwhelmed by the other sensations. It was nice, it was also um, very, it felt very wooden, which made me wonder if, it was a little, if some of it was a little bit older scotches than you normally get, you know, scotch, so. The Port Ellen is a very old uh, barrel that's been blended into that. Okay. And so you're getting some of those old barrel notes even from a very young scotch by blending. Okay, that makes sense then. Yeah, it was, it was delightful. It was, it was, if you're normally afraid of peated scotch because you're afraid of it, uh, you know, burning you up, I'd recommend trying something like this. It was, it was delightful. The other thing that I like about this one specifically is I know like a, a Lagavulin or it, it can build on, the peat builds on your tongue. So by taste five or six, you like have this peat coat on your tongue. I feel like this one dissipates just a little bit more than that. So your next sip is kind of a fresh sip. 
Um, so Michael had the uh, the Irish. Who else had the Irish? Jeff did. Okay. So why don't you guys? Uh, we'll start over there with Jeff. Jeff, what do you think about the uh, the Irish liqueur? Sure. Yeah, that was absolutely delicious. I I gotta say the what what is the predominant flavor? Was it vanilla? Am I guessing that right? So I don't taste vanilla. I mean. I taste like sugar, like burnt sugar notes, but without the caramelization. So I taste nothing but uh, sugar. I taste a lot of, but I have our Indian to compare it to. So we have an Indian whiskey that is all vanilla notes. So I guess when I think of vanilla in this store, I think of the Indian. But that one to me is just like a gorgeous dessert. And when you talk about pancake syrup, that's pancake syrup. That's like... Very put it over so. ice cream, put it over your pancakes, put it over your fried chicken. That's gorgeous. All right. And, and just to compare, Michael, what do you think about it? Um, I absolutely loved it. Any, I mean, you guys probably know by now, if you've been listening to me, I love me some Irish whiskey. And I love nice, sweet things. Um, it was really, really delicious. I'm actually a little curious about where it comes from and how it's made and whatnot. What makes it what it is, because I normally don't see Irish whiskey in liqueur form. It is an Irish whiskey. It's done in an Irish whiskey distiller. Um, and then you add a lot of frickin' sugar at the end. <laughs> and a little extra water. So traditional whiskeys, everything I've served you tonight is between 42 and 43% alcohol. This one is 38%, so a little less, but not much, not enough to really tell. What really makes the difference and turns it into a liqueur is the sugar content. I actually uh, had a little epiphany right now. I was trying to place that vanilla note that Jeff said he was tasting. And um, I was trying to think, because I was getting something a little similar, but it didn't quite sound right. And if you've ever eaten like turbinado or raw sugar, how it tastes a little vanilla-ish, that's really what it tastes like. It tastes like a very high quality, unbleached, unprocessed sugar. I I will say one note that I wanted to have for that one, which was that um, it's, we, we happen to get a very small portion of it. I will say that I think a small portion of this is probably good if you tried to ask for a double, a triple, a qu- a lot of this stuff, I think it might get to be a bit much very quickly. That said, that also makes me think this would be an incredible component in some other kind of mixed drinks, in something else. It's gotta go blend amazingly. Add it to a coffee. Cough, cough. We do. It's yeah. an iced macchiato. It's oh, an Irish ma- iced macchiato cocktail that we have here. It's a martini cocktail. That sounds awesome. Macchiato being Italian for angry orangutan, as we all know. No, <laughs> no one knows that. On caffeine. On lots of like caffeine. Like tiny stallion. Yeah. yeah, no. Derek, go away. All right, so um, we're, we're going to go around here. I, I'd like to hear you guys, your guys' opinion on... What is it you enjoyed the most, uh, and, and anything else you might want to ask around that? So, so we'll just start on the far side for me, which I know no one can see right now, but go with me. Jeff, what was your favorite thing that you had today, and uh, give us your notes on it. I, I almost feel like I'm about to become a blasphemer here, because it, it was between number three and number five, and I think I've actually got to say it wasn't a whiskey. I'm surprising myself, but my favorite one of the night was, I, I mean, that was the... the Brand, uh, it was brandy, right? Uh, yeah, Armagnac. 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 Okay. Welcome so, to the dark side. <laughs> I don't know these things. So, um, yeah, it, it was absolutely delicious. It was right, my. It was absolutely my cup of tea there. Um, I think also if you were doing a pairing, uh, just uh, having a, a sampler of things, having it towards the end is the perfect place to have it. It just washed down perfectly. It was. It was such a good brand. Uh, sorry, Armagnac. 
Armagnac anyway. is a brandy. You can say brandy. It's okay. okay. It's like it's like saying Scotch versus whiskey. Not all not all whiskeys are scotches, but all scotches are whiskeys. Yep, absolutely delicious. Favorite one of the night. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that for the first <laughs> time at any tasting ever, Bjorn's gonna agree with you. Bjorn, talk to us. So excited. Uh, I, I'm agreeing with with Jeff here for the first time ever because I, I don't know why I was so expecting you to say no that uh, that that uh, <laughs> yeah that, that, <laughs> that Armagnac Welsh, yeah. was was right in my wheelhouse I, I loved everything about it okay um, any other notes about it any other questions you got with it uh, no no just just that you were happy with it I was happy with Armagnac okay so Randy what was yours. I feel dirty saying this. I actually really liked the Blanco tequila. <laughs> wow. Okay. Now, normally, I love the orange cello here, which is, if you don't know about it, try it sometime. But the, the Blanco tequila is really good. And I dare say it might even make a great martini at some point. A tequila martini? It actually it. goes really nice with the orange cello when we're not using grapefruit liqueur. As triple sec, we're using orange cello as triple sec. As you know, triple sec, or maybe those of you who don't know, triple sec is just an orange liqueur. That's all it is. So we'll use orange cello in its place a little higher on the proof than a triple sec because it's at 30% alcohol, but um, but it's a great replacement for us. We use it all the time. Okay. Now, now it's time to play that guessing game again. All right, Michael, what is it you enjoyed? Am I allowed to pick the Irish whiskey liqueur? Yes, you can pick the Irish. <laughs> okay, so obviously that was specifically chosen for me to be something that I would like. I really like the Irish whiskey liqueur. But of the five, I actually find myself in a little bit of a draw between the Armagnac, which is something I really don't have much experience with. I liked the, I liked tasting it. I like kind of exploring it, playing through it a bit. And the uh, Welsh whiskey, uh, that, that fruit forward, very sugary, even though it was a little hot for my palate, maybe right now, right just today, I, I really liked all the flavors on it. So I'm going to just kind of call it a draw between the Armagnac and the Welsh. Okay. Okay, Sandra, talk to us. I think my favorite was number two, the Spanish whiskey. I think partly because it surprised me. Um, I'm normally not a fan of any type of almond flavor, but it was so subtle and so well complemented by the sweetness in there. I I had to pick that one as my favorite. All right, and of course, let's get to, to Derek. And yes, Derek, you can choose what you just had also. Good, because I was going to give that as my answer either way. Okay. It's the Kragabus. It's, uh, yeah, hands down, the, my favorite. Um, out of the other ones we tried, um, Probably a tie between the tequila and the Spanish whiskey. Alright. So Aaron, where was it for you? Definitely also the Spanish whiskey as as uh, uh, they were, you know, <laughs> these guys were giving their reviews of the Spanish whiskey. I was like, yeah, that's that's the one for sure. It's got so many complex notes. A um, little bit of sweetness, a little bit of spice, a little bit of almond. Like, it had it. This I wrote down, this is the drink that had it all. Period. That, 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 that's it. So, um, I, I want to start off by saying that nothing that was served was subpar. I mean, everything was a fantastic drink in its own right. But but I have to ask, just because I'm a curious person by nature. Carol, other things that you've got on this wall, things that people can choose from, what do you think is the best thing that we didn't get to try? Okay, loaded question. 
I'm I'm the girl with 250 whiskeys on my shelves at home. So it's kind of like asking somebody who's your favorite child. Um, but there. So who's your favorite? <laughs> but there are some that um, that I love, and we didn't get to try here tonight. Um, I have a 20-year-old Highland. Ah. Highlands don't produce much, but what they do produce is soft and subtle, um, kind of like those heather notes that you get in the Highlands. So this is going to be no peat in this sucker, but at 20 years old, very easy drinking, very soft. It's kind of one of my favorites, um, but it's not a favorite I could afford all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the Indian is absolutely divine as well. It is a little higher proof, but it's done south of Mumbai where it's 100 degree temperatures all the year long. The barrel is not charred, but the color of it looks like the color of bourbon. And it's getting that color just from barrel penetration because it's so hot in India. American white oak is known for adding a vanilla note to your whiskey. That vanilla note comes through completely in the Indian. It's gorgeous to try and definitely something worth the adventure on. Ready, um, on. So normally you say water is very important. Do they get their water from the Ganges? No, <laughs> they're done south of Mumbai, so no. But um, but again, here this is where, you know, the the alcohol content kills everything in the water, so I'm not too worried about it. <laughs> um, and it's absolutely delicious. I haven't gotten sick yet, um, and it's it's worth trying. The other one that's our most popular is actually our American bourbon. It is a soft, subtle bourbon. It's gorgeous for a bourbon. Really easy drinking. Uh. Um, and, and as to do a quick little point, I don't know if many people know, um, the number one country that produces the most whiskey in the world is India. Mm -mm. Uh, drink more whiskey than anywhere else in the world. Uh, they've got one distillery that pumps out in one month three times what the U.S. makes in a year. Yeah. Now, it's horrible, but I can give you the proof that the number one uh, producer is there. It's, it's they have more people in their country. They need more whiskey. Yeah. So, <laughs> but that's all for another for another uh, point in perspective. Um, Carol, thank you very much for, for having us in. Um, there's so much more to explore. Uh, I really suggest if you've got the time and you happen to be in Surf City, USA. I mean, the real Surf City. We're not talking Santa Monica. It's Huntington Beach. Fight me. Um, come in. Stop in. Find Pacific City. Find your way to Vom Foss and have a chat with whoever you can because it will make your day. I guarantee you if you're someone who's going to listen to this podcast, this place is for you. Uh, anyone want to ask any last questions or last little comments here? Uh, I, I just want to make a comment because I, I just got to be on like because I've I, I feel like some people may have some familiar with this place uh, from previously. I've never been here before and just want to echo that the, the mall itself, the experience coming in here, the place, the whole thing experience is beautiful. The, the, the store itself is absolutely gorgeous. I, I'm having a great time here with, with friends and everything. I really do encourage somebody to check it out. This, this place is, is lovely. All right. I'm glad you all had a good time. Yeah. And keep in mind what we did with whiskey, it's the same thing, thing that we do with wine. Our wine cycles in and out. We're doing small batch wines here. We're not trying to compete with the big boxes. So if you want to know about our wines, you talk to us. You tell us about your flavor profiles, tell us about what you like, what you don't like, and we will pull out wines specifically designated to what you say you like for you to try. Um, I think with that, I want you guys to know I'm going to try something a little different from now on. Um, 
I think I, I think we can all say we had a lot of fun doing this, um, and it's just important for the world to know it's fun to be imperfect. With that, have a great day. Take care.